How are you guys doing today? All right, well, um, if, you're, if you're new, uh, we are in a, a series on Lent, and um, it's been a fantastic series, six weeks, um, where rather than as a community, um, oftentimes we view Lent and we think about fasting from something, so I might not watch TV all of Lent or something like that. Um, rather than taking one thing and saying, let's... Um, discipline ourselves to fast from that, uh, to anticipate the arrival of Jesus, um, Antioch has invited us all into these six practices um, that really join God on his reconciling mission on earth. And so we've looked at um, a variety of arenas. And if you have this booklet, I'd actually encourage you to, to pull it out. And it looks like three of you have it. So good job. Amy Kasari does. Um, and on this introductory page, you can kind of see the flow and that we believe that God is bringing his life and his restoration to this world in fantastic ways, um, that he's reconciling us, he's reconciling our communities, he's reconciling our city and this world um, and creation back to himself. And he said, hey, all of you, I want you to join me on this mission. And so we're asking the question, man, what would it look like? as followers of Jesus, if we actually joined God on that mission and we, we took it seriously enough to discipline ourselves and practice joining God on his mission rather than, I guess, just hoping uh, that it happens on our own. And so this morning, look at this fancy TV. Can we give it up for this TV right here? It's doing a great job. Um, the three of you clapped, but uh, we are on our last, our last practice, um, and it is one of Sabbath. Um, and I think it's the, a very, very good message for us today and for Antioch and for American Christians in 2018. So you ready to dive into this, um, feel a little bit of convicted, uh, conviction, and feel a little bit of hope. Um, we are busy and hurried and frantic people, and God has very good news for that. So let's talk about Sabbath. I want to read this prayer. Um, from my friend Walter Brueggemann, um, and so pray with me. It's called Your New World Amid Our Anxiety. The promises roll off your lips and into our ears. I will be with you. I will love you faithfully. I will be your God. My covenant is forever. We count on your words that flow from our ears to our hearts, and we are glad. But even while we listen, we live much of our lives underneath the table. We read these old stories and know about intrigue and fear and anxiety and near violence and deception. We mostly do not act out our violence, but we imagine and ponder and scheme. And then we too must cover up, and the cover-up ferments, and our lives become complex and burdened. We keep inventing ourselves, and underneath and our underneath selves turn out to be less than adequate, and we wish we were other than we are. We juggle your good purposes and our hidden yearnings, and we try to serve two masters. We try to live two narratives, try to live two dreams, and we are weary. Because we know our hearts of anxiety so well, we seem fated to disease. But because we know your heart of fidelity so well, We know you will defeat our demons and make us new. We know about your abiding fidelity in Jesus of Nazareth. Give us patience and steadfastness as we process the ragged edges of our lives. Amen. 
So I want to tell you a little story. Um, I run our high school and middle school ministries at Antioch. It's been a blessing for the last three years, and I've learned quite a bit from our students as well. And um, recently, a couple uh, weeks ago, I came into this scenario that I thought paints a pretty cool picture of how our lives can be. It was middle school night, Tuesday night, um, 7 p.m., and one of our students, who's a, who's a regular, um, shows up and is sitting in the car. And so I walk out, like, what are you still doing in the car? And he's sitting there, like, wolfing down dinner <laughs> before youth group. And I, I ask him about his day, and here's how his day went. It was an early rise, um, and off to school, and at school all day. And then after school was lacrosse practice. And then after lacrosse practice, he got picked up by his dad, and drove straight to youth group, and then was like chowing down on dinner in the car. Does youth group from 7 to 8.30, hangs around a little bit more until 8.45, gets home at 9, does an hour of homework, goes to bed at 10, and wakes up and does it all the next day, right? (laughs) Except for the youth group part, because we don't have it all the other days, but. um, I'm like, oh wow, that's cool for a middle school student, Um, but having our lives just become complex and complicated. If you look at your calendar, your cell phone, the alarms never stop going off. Um, who uses iCalendar by Apple? If you have too many things in your month view, it says like three more items. And like, how many of us, when you look at your calendar, like most days say four more items? Like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And I, and I really think we have a problem, and I think that we don't know it, or we don't value Sabbath the way that God values Sabbath. And if, if you ask yourself, do I understand what God means when he says Sabbath? Do I take it seriously? And am I practicing that regularly in my life? And this is actually one of the, the best news we could hear, and I want to invite you into it today. And to do that, I want to look at the very first time um, we see and we hear God resting. Um, it's in Genesis 2. We're going to get to... Um, the passage from the Sermon on the Mount later, but I wanted to start here and set a new paradigm for how we understand rest. And I think it's intentional by God. I think we need to hear it and heed it. And I really think it's good news um, for us, an exhausted people. And it's in Genesis 2. It's when God is creating the world. Um, And here's what Genesis 2, 2 says. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Cool. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And that is our God, who rests on the seventh day, who also made Adam and made us and made Adam on the sixth day. And so God creates for five days birds, Rivers, mountains, earth, atmosphere. Sixth day, Adam, man, made in my image. And Adam like walks up, yeah, I'm going to rule. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all that you've called me to do, God. And then the next day, he's like, all right, God, let's get to it. And God's like, I don't know, man, I'm just resting. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> and he's looking, he's watching this, the, the sun work and the rivers work and the animals run around and everything is in, in perfect harmony and everything is wonderful and everything is sustained and cared for and God is resting. And Adam's first day with God was spent not working. And this is a paradigm. I don't think it's coincidence. I think it's something that God has set in place for us that we actually... Um, 
haven't taken that seriously. And so I, I want to just propose something for you. This is, my, this is the whole point of the sermon, so I'm, I'm dropping it at the front. If you're a note taker, here we go. It's going to be up on the screen. And here's the proposal. That God has asked us to work from a place of rest, not work from a place of worry. He's asked us to work from a place of rest, not work from a place of worry. And I think he has a lot of good news um, that comes into our lives when we, when we function that paradigm. And I, and I think it's helpful for us is if we're honest with ourselves, like stop and take a big deep breath. Like, how's your week? How's your work? How's your social life and your chores and your errands and your family obligations um, and everything that's breaking around your house and taking your snow tires off now or shoveling snow? I mean, the work seems to never stop. And God's very aware of that. And he has good news um, for us, and it's called Sabbath. And so here's my definition of Sabbath. I'm just throwing bombs at you right off the bat. Here's my, here's my definition of Sabbath. Write it down or memorize it right now because I'll hold you accountable to it. Um, Sabbath, an entire day to stop doing whatever is work for you and rest in the security of God's good gifts to you. An entire day. Um, not sprinkled throughout seven days of work, not mind-numbing at the end of the week when we're too exhausted to focus, but a set day um, from the beginning of creation through God's work with Israel through Jesus, God has invited us to actually practice the Sabbath. And there's three things that I want to propose to you find redemption when we actually practice the Sabbath. And the first is our work. And so when, when rest leads our work, God, first of all, redeems our work. I think one of the reasons we can't Sabbath is we don't understand uh, what work is. And so I want to um, invite you um, to look at Exodus chapter 20. We're jumping ahead in God's story. We've heard about God resting. And now we're looking at Israel coming out of slavery uh, of Egypt. And so for 430 years, uh, God's people, uh, his nation, chosen nation of Israel that was selected to be a blessing to the surrounding nations, spent 430 years making bricks in Egypt seven days a week serving Pharaoh and his gods who are never satisfied with the amount of bricks that they made. And so Israel is not just a slaved people, but there are people that have lost their identity um, in their relationship with God. And so when God exiles them um, out, of, out of Egypt, I was going to say some other country, but it's definitely Egypt. <laughs> um, when God... <laughs> Um, through Moses, you know, all these miracles, and yay, like, now we're out, promised land, like, we're going to the promised land, sing the VeggieTales song. And he's like, you guys need to learn what it means to be my people again. Here are ten commandments that aren't just these abstract rules I want you to follow, but they're things that I want you to shape who you are um, as my followers. And it's really, really interesting. Uh, the first three are about Israel's relationship with God, and then the fourth one is about resting. And you can't see my Bible, but one of the biggest chunks um, of explanation is about Sabbath. This is the Ten Commandment. Um, shortly thereafter, we have things about, like, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. And for some reason, um, most of us, I think, if you look at how we live, we, 
we value not murdering higher than we value not Sabbathing, right? Um, and I, I don't know. I don't want to go there to compare, like, if you could only do one. But <laughs> um, <laughs> why not both? Let's do both. Um, this is going downhill. And so here's how it works. Three commandments about Israel's relationship with God. Rest. Six more commandments about loving your neighbor and being a blessing. And so God is trying to reorient um, Israel's understanding of what work is. And he's saying work isn't about making bricks seven days a week. Work is about actualizing your identity as my people. And that includes rest. And only when you rest can you actually love your neighbors. And it's just a very clear paradigm. Um, and can't we do that too? Um, God was saying, hey, Israel, like, your gods are not the gods of Pharaoh. I am your God. I brought you out of Egypt. And so work my way. That work isn't just about as many bricks as you can produce seven days a week to please your gods. It's about working according to my rhythm, that viewing work as being a blessing to your neighbor and that that work can only come out of you when you are a Sabbath people. Isn't that similar to us? Um, maybe your God isn't Pharaoh, but it might be your calendar or your paycheck or your pride, your position at work, sense of security from your wealth. And that, those gods never stop demanding work from you. Um, and God has invited us to practice Sabbath so that we re-understand what work ought to be and we remember who our God is that we're actually um, serving. And so I want to like, talk about two ways we can get work wrong <laughs> that I think can be pretty convicting. And the first um, is when work is an idol. Um, these are the workaholics. Raise your hand if you identify as a workaholic. All right. Um, these are the people that walk into a group, and uh, I call these the, the busyness one-uppers. Do you know who a busyness one-upper is? You walk into a group of people, and there's three people. The first guy's like, you have no idea how busy I am. Like, I did this, I did this, I did this. The second guy's like, well, man, that's a cakewalk. Where do you see how busy I am? Look at my calendar. Look at all these things I'm doing. Look at how much work I'm putting in. And then the busyness one-upper comes in and is like, wham, like, look at how busy I am. Like, look at how much work I'm doing. And if you're a workaholic, it's hard to rest because you love work. You feel insecure when you're not working. You feel uncomfortable. Um, work is a safe place, and it's, and it's a sense of identity and belonging. Um, on the flip side, when God is like, hey, work six days and rest one day, um, we have uh, the sluggard or the lazy person who's like, you know what? I think every day is a Sabbath. <laughs> like, I don't, what's work? That sounds bad. Um, work is something you do just to get a paycheck. Work is something you do to grind out. And I'm living for the weekends. I'm trying to work as little as possible. Um, and in that, both are wrong, right? Work is still just something we do to please whatever other God we're serving so we can make a paycheck, find security, and just like plow through life with this busy agenda. And God is saying, hold on. Like, I'm asking you to be a six days of work, one day of rest people who trust me and redefines work as more than just getting a paycheck and putting in the hours, um, but as, as bringing my kingdom on earth and blessing those around you. So how does your life look? 
Are, are we, as Antioch, a Sabbathed people, are we six days of work, one day of rest? Are there clean lines? Um, is it uncomfortable to Sabbath? Why would it be uncomfortable for you to take a whole day and not do work? Ask yourself that. Secondly, when we get this right, um, it redeems our neighbor love. And I got my timer going on up here. All right, here we go. Um, it redeems our neighbor love. And so you say, Jarrell, well, let, let's talk about this. Um, if you're a two on the Enneagram, you're a helper, right? And that means that anyone who has a need around you, you really, really, really want to help them. Um, and so you're like, well, Jarrell, I'm not really working to kind of empower my own career. I just see all these needs. And like, you get up on church and you tell me to sign up for one more thing. And I'm looking at my calendar and I'm like, how do I do all of these good things uh, that I want to do? Um, and I think that's absolutely right. It's like we, we are getting the point is that um, work is more than just a paycheck. Um, but, but I think I've, I've lived around helpers quite a bit. And um, one, of the, one of the catches is I, I always ask people, like, how much can you really help someone when your tank is empty? Like when you are burned out and you have nothing left, how much can you really help someone? And so we're in this, this tension of our yes, what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to. And um, I think Jesus gives us a really good example of what it looks like to, to say yes and to say no to certain things. And so I'm, I'm just proposing a paradigm shift that the way we view work isn't the way our culture or our personalities might view it, but it's the way God views it. And also the way we say yes to th things and the way we say no to things isn't just our personalities or our culture, it's a direct channel to God. And so think about the life of Jesus. How many times did Jesus have to say no um, to things? How many times did he walk away from a city and it was still filled, filled with people who were sick, who needed his teaching, who needed his care and companionship and redemption? Um, and his three-year ministry, I mean, if Jesus was a, um, if Jesus had no boundaries, he would still be here working for all of us, right? Like, he would have never stopped. Um, and so if, if Jesus can do it, I think, I think we can do it. Um, and so um, if we are going to Sabbath, we have to understand there's going to be a point where even though there's more work to be done for God, this God is still asking us to stop doing that work. Even the good work, even ministry things and church things and signing up for one more volunteer thing. And I, and I think, I wish we could adopt the posture of Jesus um, because Jesus' yes and no to those around him was not an impulsive reaction to the needs of those people. It was a patient and obedient response to God's call on his life. You're going to frustrate people um, to say no to someone in need or someone who needs your help is, is a very difficult thing to do, especially if you love them. Um, but you're not serving those people. You're serving God, and God has asked you to rest. And uh, the other counter to that is, well, if you worked hard the other six days of the week, maybe you could have actually helped that person anyways. Um, but that's just conviction um, for us as well. We have the space to love our neighbor and we are forced to recognize God's care, not just for us, but for others in need as well. 
that Jesus is their ultimate shepherd, not just ours. We have to trust in rest that not only that God will sustain us, but God will sustain others who we want to help and care for. Um, and our last, the last area that Sabbath redeems for us is our worry or our anxiety, not just the way we view work, not just how we set boundaries and, and say yes and no to even really good things, um, but it's really the internal battle. Um, that I watch students, and um, one of the most common conversations I have with high school students is what life looks like after high school, and it is just this, this heavy weight of burden. If you're a senior, a junior in high school right now, of like, what is my career going to be? What is my college going to be? And as a Adults, we know that that actually really never stops. You're asking questions about your spouse and about your career, about the city you live in, about your kids and your kids' future and your grandkids' future. Um, and our lives can be kind of plagued with worry. And it's so interesting when we read Matthew and Jesus is like, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks, Jesus. I don't know. I'll just try to stop worrying. Like, how does that, how does that work? Like, um, I'll just tell my heart to no longer be anxious. Um, and like, especially if you're anxious, isn't that the worst thing for someone to tell you? <laughs> hey, you should just stop being so anxious. Like, right, thanks. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you want to help or something? Um, and it's interesting what Jesus says. He says, "Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes?" Um, yes, it is more than that. Jesus, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than, than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? The answer would be, you cannot add a single hour to your life. Jesus always asks these questions we already know the answer to. Oh, I don't get it. Um, so the first thing I want us to recognize with our anxiety is that um, we are valuable to God. And that Jesus' argument goes like this. Look at the little birds. And they don't store in barns. They don't have an agenda or a calendar. And every day they have the food that they need to eat. Look at you. You are so much more valuable than they are. And look at your father who loves you and cares for you and protects you and provides for you. And we worry because we don't actually believe that God values us and cares for us. Secondly, worry is not our ally. Um, Jesus goes on and says, can you add any hour to your life through your worry and through your toil and through your work? And if you, if you think about what true life really is, and if, if we spend our time in nonstop work to find security and a retirement plan and the house we want and the toys we want and the lifestyle we want or the pride or the the job security, like, is that really what you want? Like, if you really pressed into that and, and you did it, like, you made it, are you content? Like, is that what you want your life to be? And, and Jesus is saying, I, I know that your way of living has this busy, nonstop, seven days a week, anxious-ridden work ethic, but, like, how is that going for you? Like, is that working? Are you happy? <laughs> um, and Jesus is saying, I, I don't actually think it is, it is working. And so this, we're talking about our heart. We're talking about trusting God enough that we can take one day out of our week and not do good things, 
not do what we call work, and we can rest, and we can spend time trusting that he will provide for us even if we're not working. Um, and so how do, we, how do we make that happen in our lives? And I think it's, it's the nature of this whole series is that as we practice these disciplines with our actions, our hearts and our minds begin to actually believe it. Um, that, and maybe our, the discipline of our actions shapes our hearts, shapes our belief, and shapes our anxiety. And so if your life, if you Sabbath dwell for one week and two weeks, one month and two months and one year and two years and 10 years and 20 years and 30 years, and you look back and say, man, for 30 years I have been not working for one day and I'm still here and I'm still okay and God is still providing for me, um, that would encourage uh, our faith. That would encourage our faith. And, and just, sorry, I just keep coming back to my notes and I see like one more good idea. I have to tell you about it. Um, imagine if you picked a Sabbath day and you rested well. And you spent that day looking at the birds and admiring how God sustains them. Um, swimming in the cool, fresh water and realizing that water doesn't come from your spigot. It comes from rain and this weird system that the Gerhards would know about, about how fresh water happens. Um, and the sun that gives you life and vitamin D and that light, nice like bronze for floating the river. Like, n- none of that is something that you can control. Like, how many of you have thought about your heart beating in the last hour? Like, you're just, your brain is this mush of chemicals, and, but you have cognitive capacities and a personality. Like, this world is beautiful. And in our hurry, we, we're like rushing around so fast that we forget to stop and see the things that God has put in place to remind us of his power and his capacity and how he sustains us no matter what our career is, no matter how many hours you work that week, no matter what our bank account looks like. You can't, can't buy, I don't know, a new heart, I guess. <laughs> I guess you can, but... <laughs> Uh, maybe there's a point where you can't. Um, so here's this. You can live life and miss the point of the Sabbath, but you cannot live the Sabbath and miss the point of life. We remind ourselves of God's providence when we rest. And God takes it seriously. And it's kind of a catch, right? Um, we're talking about Sabbath. Like, well, that's kind of like something, I don't know. I try not to work as much. I try to take a day and I just maybe a couple hours and I chill out. Um, and I think God actually takes Sabbath a whole lot more seriously than we have. And not because he's a jerk, but because he loves us. And he sees our worried and our frantic lifestyle and he wants to bring his hope and his good news into it. It's a gift. God has asked us to live dependent on him and we are striving so hard to not need him. So here's a summary. If you want it, you have to have it. God commands us to Sabbath. This is because he knows we will redefine our identity in the form of commodities and production. He loves us too much to watch us wither away in worry. When we Sabbath, we see work as good, a way to bring God's kingdom to earth. 
When we Sabbath, we have the wisdom to say yes and to say no to our neighbors. When we Sabbath, we find hope for our anxious souls in a God who rests, who values us, and who has created rhythms in this world that constantly remind us that he is God and we are not. God commands us to Sabbath. There you go. So here's our application. I want to I wanna invite Antioch. This is, we're a week away from Easter. Good Friday's approaching. This is the end of our Lent. Um, if you've been following along um, in this booklet, we've, we've actually asked, we've written down like things that you can do to practice this and sermon notes and suggestions and books to read. And my encouragement um, is to take Sabbath seriously so that we can convince our hearts to trust God. And I just have three points I want to leave you with, and then um, we're going to have a really cool interactive prayer reading thing coming up. Um, and so here's the first thing I, I want to encourage you guys to do. Determine what is work and what is rest for you. This is where it can kind of be custom. You're asking, God, who have you made me to be? What gifts have you given me? What, what culture have you, have you put me in? And what are you asking me to do? What is work for me? Um, how can I make my career more than a paycheck? How can I work six days a week? What, what specifically do you need me to be in this world and in the city and in this town with my family, with my friends? And then determine what is rest for you. Maybe rest is cooking a big meal with friends. Maybe rest is reading a book. Maybe rest is going on a hike or whatever it looks like for you to not do that work. Maybe you have to turn off your phone. Maybe you have to turn off the notifications in your calendar and set up what rest is. And rest isn't numbing out um, and like binge watching Netflix. I think it's significantly more than that. So if that's what you're planning on, try again. All right. <laughs> Secondly, plan your Sabbath. Plan your Sabbath. What day will be 24 hours of not working for you? What temptations, like why does that cause you to squirm? What would, what would sabotage that Sabbath for you? Think about it ahead of time and set up boundaries for yourself so you're not tempted to break your Sabbath. And then lastly, treasure God's creation. Um, we have a beautiful world that just the way God loves the birds and the lilies and cares for them, so too the waterfalls and the waves and the rain and the trees and all the other animals and cute little puppies, right? And people made in his image and, and cultures and um, we need to Sabbath in the midst of those arenas to delight in God's creation, to enjoy it, to appreciate it and work for its sustenance, as well as have no choice but to see um, the fact that God has set this world up in a way that's significantly bigger than us and that he is a God who rests. So Antioch, I invite you not only to rest and Sabbath well, um, wow, puberty, um, but to take all of these practices seriously. And um, it's six of them. And I encourage you, take time today um, and read through your booklet, look at your practices, um, and define what that looks like for you. And so I want to close out and invite us all into, into joining God in his mission on this way. And so we have a team of people who are going to come out and read a prayer. And I want you to pray this with them. Um, as they read this, and this will kind of be the close to the sermon and the close uh, to the whole series. So, praying people, would you please come out on this stage? 
Um, that first story was actually about Mel's son, Freddie. So we do eat two dinners, one at nine o'clock too. <laughs> two dinners, two dinners for growing boys. So um, Antioch, these are your people, and they are inviting you um, to practice joining God on His mission of reconciliation in the world. So would you pray with us? Let's pray. Our Father, you are reconciling us to yourself. Though we often call ourselves outsiders, we see our seat at your table and we join your triunity. You love us the way you love your son, Jesus. And we confess how this makes us feel, grateful yet fraudulent, delighted yet humbled. Make us less insecure at your table and move us from a place of distraction to a place of presence as we practice communion with you. Amen. God who has imagined in us, you are reconciling us to ourselves. Though we confess to be our own worst enemies, we recognize our unique gifts and channel your grace to our weakest and most broken places. Help us to find peace in the war between our self-talk and our emotions, our past and our now. Move us to a place of, move us from a place of ignorance to a place of awareness as we form into who you've made us to be. Amen. God of the church, you are reconciling us to one another. Though our church community is filled with messy people, we know that you have killed the fattened calf for these, your children. We confess how our selfish arrows have landed in the backs of your beloved, so empower us to forgive one another, cherish one another, and compound our spiritual gifts for your kingdom. Move us from a place of convenience to a place of commitment as we practice community in your church. Amen. Our yearning host, you are renewing our city. Though we see mountains and rivers and sunsets, you have invited us to love our neighbors, your image bearers who are both beautiful and broken. We confess our tendencies to withdraw, so move us from fear to generosity as we walk these streets and practice hospitality, as we learn from unlikely friendships and share our tables. Amen. God of every tribe, you are renewing our world. We confess our compliance to global problems and systematic pain, and we watch you heal the sick and care for the brokenhearted, smiling at the patchwork of cultures in your world. Move us from a, from a place of apathy to a place of compassion, to a lifestyle of merciful action as we practice justice in this world. Amen. God who cares for birds and lilies, you are not worried while you restore creation. Though our culture and our personalities crave the fall, see how you spoil us with fresh water, clean air, a warm sun, and elaborate foods. You value us, care for us, love us. Move us from a place of worry to a place of rest as we practice the wonderful grace of Sabbath. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can clap for them. They did a great job. And so we are coming to a place uh, where we 
uh, receive communion or the Lord's table. Um, and uh, we have e- at each um, station uh, Rublev's icon, which is something we've talked about quite a bit um, in this series. And it's a picture of the, com- uh, the communion of God, the unity of God within the Trinity, and then an empty seat, um, which is ours, which is mine, which is yours, a place to dine at the table in the perfect love um, that the Father has for the Son, empowered by the Spirit, to mirror Christ as we live the way he would live, empowered by the Spirit, serving God. And Christ and God has invited us into this table. And what a better picture of what it means to rest, um, to be dining with God. Um, and so as we receive communion today, um, I ask you just to reflect on where is the source of worry in your life and what good news does Jesus have for you Um, sitting at his table, um, dining with him, joining him in the reconciliation of all things. So we love you guys. We're excited to walk this journey with you. Let me pray for our time of communion, and then we're going to have two songs, and any time during that you can come up um, and receive communion. Father, thank you for being a God who rests, who smiles, who has created a beautiful world for us to live in. Thank you for redeeming our lives in you as a community, as individuals, and all the broken and messy parts of our life as we receive your table today. Um, Might you grace us um, through your spirit to leave our our place of worry and our place of anxiety um, and meet you um, in your community at the table. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.